Bond. James Bond. That's as bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye. This week we are doing Diamonds Are Forever as part of our James Bond series on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. I'm Andy Wilson of Graphic Policy and Bleeding Cool. And uh, we have a returning guest with us. John. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess I need no introduction. Um, but uh, hey, I'm John. I'm from uh, Yours, Mine, and Theirs podcast, and also JR, which is Star Trek for the First Time podcast. And also, if I could use this time really quick, during this quarantine season, I started another podcast that's just me um, called Safe Words Aloud. And it's just me reading books that don't exist on audiobook. And so they exist now what? because I read them and give them to everybody. Yeah. Oh, nice. I like that it. Is so can we like put in requests? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. If there's not an audiobook, right now I'm reading The Time Machine Did It by John Swartzwelder. And then after that, I'm reading a Flash Gordon serial book. And then after that, I don't have anything. So if there's something that doesn't exist in audiobook that's kind of where i want to go with it you know um then yeah give it to me and i'll read it okay i was gonna suggest uh hello hello mark hello god it's me margaret okay (laughs) (laughs) although all the books that i'm looking for on audiobook are all about sex so i'm not so sure that's your prime audience (laughs) well i i so far as far as i know i'm the only person who listens to it and i'm 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 into that subject so Go ahead and send it over. Okay, I will. Most people like the topic. You'll have a 300% increase in uh, viewership or listenership or whatever it's called. Well, you know, sex sells. So, you know, maybe that's the... (laughs) Listen to John I'm giving it away for free, so, you know. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) Me too. That also works with sex, so good. Um, But we we have our uh, returning crew as well, uh, Mark and, and Brooke. Hello, everybody. Hello, uh, week 52 of the quarantine. It feels like it's been forever. Like, mm. Jesus. I, I hate my house now. But hello, everybody from San Antonio. Hope everybody's doing well. Hello, God. It's me, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joining you all from Salt Lake City. Yes. Uh, th- and we've we've got the, the last of the official... Sean Connery Bonds. Uh, of course, Sean Connery will be back for Never Say Never Again. The because he's forever. Movie. Yeah, because he is forever. Um, uh, so this, yeah, this is this is a, a sort of the end of the official Connery era. Um, and I think this is a really fascinating movie uh, because of that. I think it sort of caps off everything that was both good and bad about about the Connery era. Um, what are your all's like initial thoughts about about this? Well, I feel like we've got a lot to get off our chest. Uh-huh. <laughs> See what you did there. Okay. <laughs> I I uh, it, we were talking about this earlier. 
I remember uh, back in the day when I first saw this, I thought it was, eh, I thought it was okay. And throughout the rest of my life, I just considered it all right. I didn't really hate it or like it. But I saw it again, and I saw it with my kid last night, and I I really don't like it this time around. Like, I just, I'm, I'm now firmly of the camp where I just don't like this movie. There's so much bad in it. Wow. I think it's so weird, right, that that uh, it's like okay the triumphant return of sean connery you know but i feel like no one really wants to be there you know like right. every, every it's almost like oh everyone was sad that it didn't work out like I- instead of having him back you know for this this big huge thing it's like the real james bond is back it's it, it just kind of it kind of whimpers in attitude i mean there's a lot of good i like about it but it's it's it, it's kind of strange. It, it seems like it should be a bigger, more majestic movie, but it's just kind of just seventies grime and weirdness for me. Yeah. I, it, that's exactly the way I feel. It's very like, Oh, we're doing this again. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's just get this done. And there, the, the editing's pretty bad. And some of the audios like a little off. There's just so much wrong in this film. Like, and you would think with the return of Sean Connery, it would just be this big thing. It was such a letdown where, you know, whereas uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service was such a great film, this is just such a huge letdown as a follow-up. Well, it feels like they're kind of lazy in it. Yes. Like, there's just so many things that they're like, well, it's Connery. They're going to believe us. So, like, why worry about how the guy in the mud is breathing before he shoots (laughs) him? But now all of a sudden that there's more mud, he's dead? Yeah, they'll believe it. Just whatever. Just go with it. And we're it, back. It felt lazy. Yeah, we're back to him knocking people the fuck out with just one half punch. Like, whereas Lazy B was like doing haymakers, and it took like five of them to knock people out. You know, Connery was just like pinky punching people, and they would just knock out. Like, it's just so stupid. And don't lazy. mind me while I drink my martini. Would you just go die? Well, but market. Go ahead, John. I, I know there's, like, in background, I mean, Andy, you probably have this information, for, but from my understanding, um, pretty much the whole, bu- <laughs> a huge chunk of the budget was just to pay Conry to come back. So it seems like yep. once they got him back, they didn't have any fun stuff left over to the point where I think my favorite Bond gadget is, is or I guess it's a disguise, my favorite Bond disguise is just where he's making out with himself, which is, it seems like kind of, like, emblematic of, of the limited budget they had. <laughs> that was so stupid. Oh my god. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, they uh, backed up a Brinks truck of money to Sean Connery to pay him. Uh, 1.25 million dollars, which uh, may not seem like a ton of money, but at the time, actually set the Guinness World Record for wow. uh, the most an actor had ever been paid uh, for, for a single movie. And uh, and he got 12.5% of the gross box, box office receipts. So, Do you think yeah, they were mad afterwards? I think they were like, dang it, we made the wrong choice. No, well, I mean, what do you what do you mean? We made the wrong choice in in like sca- having a film with Lazenby and not doing them all with Connery. It, or it almost seems like Connery was like the f- fifth choice because, like, according to the like Lazenby was out because of the contract thing, right? Right. 
and the trivia said that Roger Moore was ready to go, but he had contract stuff. So it, yeah. it almost seems like bringing Connery back was like the third choice. Yeah, it was. They had actually looked at several other actors. Yeah, uh, yeah. They they wanted to go ahead with Moore, but he was busy doing The Saint, and um, you know, hard to get out of a TV show when you're when you're in it. It's the Bond and, curse, right? Yeah, exactly. And oh, it's yeah. the exact Remington same problem they had the with pre-curse. yeah, Rem- yeah, yeah, with Remington Steel. Uh, it's the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and uh, the. They they also looked at several other American actors. Uh, they'd sort of settled on one who I'd never heard of, um, and whose name escapes me now. But they had also looked at Burt Reynolds, Burt Reynolds, <laughs> and oh, Adam really? West. Adam, can West. you imagine wow, Burt Reynolds Adam or West. Adam West as as James Bond in this movie? Well, they had the same fingerprint thing because Batman oh. did it. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> Batman did it. <laughs> so that, that would be that amazing. That would change like world history if Adam West was James Bond. Like we I... wouldn't even have we wouldn't be quarantined right now. Everything would be just that diverged. <laughs> Bernstein Bears would be spelled correctly. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks uh, Brooks weird movie would be real. <laughs> hey now <laughs> the no mobile and darby o'gill and the little people would indeed be the same movie that, that would be on disney plus right now i want that world i don't know that i do <laughs> oh my god so uh and uh in in another like baller move for connery he also got to make two other movies with united artists just sort of like carte blanche you can do what you want the first one is uh with Sidney Lumet the offense and the second one uh Connery wanted to make an all Scottish production of Macbeth and they were they were into production on it and then found out that Polanski was making a Macbeth and they canceled it so did Polanski um, make a Macbeth uh, good question. I don't know. Never heard but of that, that was yeah. the reason why they they didn't do it. But they they paid Connery anyway, and uh-huh. then Connery went and made Zardoz and Murder yes. on the Orient Express. So, are you covering Zardoz on this podcast? <laughs> I mm. suggested we we do, just because I think we have to. Yeah, it, it it's, <laughs> it's horrible, such, but we have to. It's such we a saw crazy Casino movie. Royale. Come on, <laughs> that's. Zardoz is, well, actually, you know what? I'm a fan of Zardoz, so it's easy for me to say that Zardoz is a billion times better than Casino Royale. But I guess quality has nothing to do with, you know, what you guys talk about. (laughs) I mean, because it has to be at least linked to, I mean, Casino Royale is James Bond, obviously, so. Right. Oh, Polanski did not do a Hamlet. Or Macbeth. I don't see it. He did not. We're missing two Macbeth movies from the universe. If Adam West was James Bond, we'd have. We would have had, yeah, yeah. We need to yeah. Go back in time. All yeah. right, maybe we should go to that world. Whatever. We should. We really should. The crisis on infinite multiverses and uh, and and merge all of these worlds together. Okay, so uh, th- that's a good segue though to um, plug everyone to go to the Facebook group uh, for "Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye," where we now have a poll open for. 
other movies that we should um, that we should cover in this series. Uh, right now, the leaders on this are Austin Powers, which is the like far and away the lead, The Man from Uncle, The Saint, Spy Hard, Atomic Blonde, The Rock, The Hunt for Red October, In Like Flint, and Our Man Flint, Undercover Brother, and Spy Kids. Um, those are the leaders right now. Um, Zardoz has only one vote. And wonder who that is. Mark. <laughs> Check well, again, really but... quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's gross. so maybe, maybe John is going, and he will he will vote for Zardoz too. Um, Pretty sure Brooke can be convinced. Uh, there, there's also what one vote mean? for uh, Tiger King from JB because <laughs> he's voting for Tiger King for no, everything. No. Um, but you I know, can't watch it. Only only having one vote is not necessarily a measure of how good it might be or not, because I also have Top Secret on there. Okay, check Top and Secret I am, again. Yeah, I need, a, I need to check on that one. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, okay, so now those those now have two votes, thank to, thanks to John voting for them. There will be three uh, soon. Yeah, so Top they're, Secret they're, is they're, essential. Yeah. They're, they're moving up. Well, and I think, I think Top Secret is such a... It, especially if we're going to do the saint, it's an interesting like because you get funny '80s Val Kilmer and serious action movie star Val Kilmer in the '90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so it's sort of a like, yeah. Even though that's not necessarily a franchise, it's it's two different takes on uh, you know a spoof of of secret agents and a sort of serious take on them. Anyway, um, so go vote for Zardoz. If you if you want us to do Zardoz, uh, you better vote on that quick. Uh, I think also, Mark, that that also means that next week, rather than us going straight into uh, Live and Let Die, that we're going to have to do In Like Flint and Our Man Flint. All because right. chronologically, that would be, those would be, well, technically, we've already gone past In Like Flint, but... If we include our man Flint in there, we're we're still we're still in generally the late sixties or yeah. early seventies time period, so makes sense. So uh, that'll be next week. We'll do uh, we'll do the Flint movies. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So lots of craziness. Oh, and one other thing, Mark, you mentioned uh, you disliked the audio in here. Yes. Guess what this movie was nominated for oh, an Jesus, Academy Award really? for? Yep. For sound design. My God. And it lost to Fiddler on the Roof. So, thank well, goodness. Good. Rightfully so. <laughs> so, I just, you know, a fun, a fun piece of trivia. Not a lot of Bond movies with Oscar nominations, and it was one of the things that you disliked. Yeah. What the hell were they thinking? I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, Albert Broccoli was, uh, you know, slipping people gift baskets and bribes, uh, you know. Uh, well, maybe the, they just the didn't the want a chance. They probably didn't want a chance Tevye losing out to an Oscar. To James Bond? No. Yeah. No, that would, that would be terrible. So, oh, and 
I should also note that um, Connery's salary, while huge, uh, he went and took it and um, used it all to start a foundation for uh, the, the appreciation and promotion of the Scottish arts so that people could do um, films in Scotland uh, and TV in Scotland and not have to leave Scotland in order to, uh, you know, go to, go to England, go to Hollywood. Um, so that that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. yeah. But not all of the money, right? Because he need, he probably needed a lot of his paycheck to date, like, all the women of the movie at the same time, apparently, that he did. <laughs> that is true. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Can't wait till we get to the background of the movie. Well, I, I mean, I think we're, we're there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Connery very, very publicly was, was dating... Uh, Lana Wood, so I think that was the the biggest one. Um, but yeah, he was he was a man about town with the uh, with the people on this set. So I mean, it's it's Sean Connery at the sort of height of his you know, Conneriness. His <laughs> Conneriness. I think Plenty uh, O'Toole, Lana Wood's character Plenty O'Toole, is probably. One of the most annoying characters in the Bond universe. That's that's my opinion. It may be unpopular, but I just really hate her character. Well, she's a she's annoying, right? I, she, she's supposed to be. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's. I mean, that is. I mean, she's definitely annoying. I didn't find her super annoying. I think because, um, uh. Because I, because I, I was just Gaga a little bit, you know, Lana right. Wood. I, I, oh, yeah. know, I mean, she's hot. I mean, not a little bit. I, I mean, I was just like, I can't even. I'm flustered talking about it right now. It's just <laughs> yeah. having a hard um, time forming sentences. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, she was really annoying. But also, she was just. She wasn't like in the game, right? She was just a girl at a casino picking up on rich men. Right. Right. Um, it's and so it, it's. I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit gross to have her. I mean, just uh, she was attempted. She got thrown out a window, and they didn't care whether there was a pool there or not. And then, you know, later she, you know, dies for really no reason. And and also, it 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 doesn't make any sense that she dies at someone else's house. Like, how, how does she come back? Apparently, there's a deleted scene where. She tracks James Bond down and then um, Wint and Kid mistake her for Plenty O'Toole because they kill right. everybody. Um, but that wasn't like said in the movie at all. So it just kind of, it seemed, it was like one of those that seemed a lot more senseless than it needed to be. It, it didn't Completely make sense at all. Agree. But oh, when yeah. they threw her out the window, my daughter was like, good, she's gone now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I kind of feel the same way. She's really annoying. But yeah, I her, agree. her dying in the swimming pool just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I I am one hundred percent with John because I am also like completely gaga for her. <laughs> I just I like again if we were, I think I said this when we were talking about like our favorite Bond girls that if we're doing it just on like looks alone, like Plenty O'Toole is like my number one with a bullet. Um. But yeah, she's annoying. And I think that's supposed to be the point. She's just a, you know, she's just a floozy. 
And... But, but going back to her death, um, because like she dies at uh, Tiffany Case's house, right? Right. And even Tiffany says to James Bond, "How did you find me here?" Right. Um, so it's like it it was hard enough for James Bond to find her, but then Plenty O'Toole just kind of shows up and just dies, like in the background. So it's like, okay, I guess it's not so. It's it's either not so secret or we just wanted to kill a woman for no reason. Right. I mean, and, I guess it's I... it's kind of a cool image in the way that you know the the woman covered in gold paint is a. I mean, if if you're into the whole death image thing, if you're that gross, like I am a little bit. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess it was supposed to be kind of a, a a gruesome, crazy, memorable image to have the girl in the pool tied up, floating like that, kind of like the the gold girl. Right. Uh, it, absolutely, and I think that was that was it. And the way that her her shirt is incredibly translucent in mm-hmm. in that scene, I think, is also part of it. And yeah, that close up. Did yeah. Things. And, and, and that's, and, and that's definitely part of it. And the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of in uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall where uh, Kenneth, the page from 30 Rockies, like, I love the way they mix sex and death. Oh, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, I think uh, that is definitely a, a thing that some people love and, um, but it it is senseless and it's, it's part of the whole, like, women in refrigerators thing like we will kill off an innocent woman in order to provide some sort of motivation for uh usually the male character in this case i think the motivation is actually more towards tiffany that like oh these people tried to kill me and that it's just they got this innocent girl instead and you know i think all of this is like convenient plot um to you know make the movie work rather than it actually makes sense so yeah i completely agree as for being able to find the house uh another piece of trivia this was kirk douglas's house where they oh wow yeah so uh lots of fun that was kirk douglas's pool where um where they killed off lana wood so that's cool um yeah so I, I, I don't know how do we how do we want to go about this? I guess the the other big thing with this movie is it should be pointed out that they were really trying to, in a lot of ways, remake Goldfinger. Uh, they brought it back to America. They um, they brought back Shirley Bassey. Uh, they brought back the director of uh, of Goldfinger. Uh, Guy Hamilton, who then uh, went on and did uh, the next two Roger Moore movies. So um, he had just done one so far. He then goes on to do three more. Um, so they, I think they were really taking a shot at trying to recreate the magic of, of Goldfinger. They're like, there was something cool there. And so let's take it to <laughs> Vegas, baby. <laughs> which does not work because I hate Vegas. I think Vegas is terrible. Uh, I I I'm a fan. I guess I could say I I'm more intrigued by Vegas. If I'm if I'm there for more than two days, then I kind of 
then I go nuts a little bit. There are certain things I like. I I think one of the reasons I like this movie is I like the historical document of Vegas. Like seeing oh, yeah. this is there. Like the dunes. It's like the most prominent casino there is is dunes. It's like the, the big magnificent one, which totally isn't there anymore. It's like the whole the whole city has completely transformed since this movie. And I, I just I like seeing it in that kind of document. They're all not there anymore because uh, even Circus Circus got remade. Uh, they're they're yeah. all gone, and Vegas looks nothing like that. Of course, I used to be a fan of Vegas, but I don't like it anymore. It's gotten too big and too connected. Um, you can't even walk on the sidewalk anymore. I feel like after you lived the movie The Hangover, it's not as cool. <laughs> There's another story for another time, and a lot of things that I have forgotten that I wish I could remember and things I remember I wish I could Well, wow. another podcast then. I don't really <laughs> like Vegas much. Not so much. But yeah, no, I agree. And and speaking of the like the cultural artifact of Vegas, um, there was a deleted scene that they shot with Connery shooting craps uh, at a craps table with Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, that's they, so cool. Yeah, they cut that out of the movie. Oh, man. Bad bad decision right there. Very sad. Hey, yeah, was like, Jimmy Dean cool. already making sausages by this point, or did this happen after the movie? Good question. I don't, I don't think so. I it's think like sausages the, came later. It's like the chicken and eggs, or which came first? Uh, I have a, a question about the Jimmy Dean character. Um, sure. Because that's another thing I did not understand about the movie, because uh, they were... They took over, like, his name was, like, uh, Wendell, Wendell White, Wendell right? White, yeah. He was, like, a, a billionaire, pretty much um, implied to be, like, this this Howard Hughes-type eccentric person. It was like, oh, he hasn't left his penthouse of the casino. But really what happened is Blofeld, like, took him over and was using his resources. And I thought he said something like they had him frozen or something. And I don't know if, if that was just, like, allegorically frozen or whatever, because... Wasn't wasn't Wendell White just hanging out in his shower? <laughs> like he was just at his house. Yeah, and and he's yeah. not like this shut-in guy. He's this boisterous Texan who didn't seem to like have all these. He, he didn't seem like the kind of person who was like a shut-in because he was like this crazy social person to everybody. Once they went to his house, he's like, "Oh, I've just been hanging out here. Has someone been impersonating me the whole time?" I wasn't sure like how they had control of him. Yeah, that's a good question. That never really made sense to me either. And the whole thing with Bambi and Thumper, I'm like, were they there to protect him or to keep him from escaping? Like it didn't it didn't quite make sense to me what the it would have I guess what, it would have made sense if he's like if he just said, Oh, thanks for getting rid of those two people who were ki- who kidnapped me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but instead, it seems like oh no, they they work for me. They're here to keep me safe. And it's like oh okay, um, you're just but yeah. He was out like super proactive once you know once uh, once James Bond talked to him. He was just like okay, you know, let's. He's in the helicopter. He's doing the radio thing. You know, it, he he wasn't what everybody said he was. And and you kind of wonder what is he doing for three years if he had this kind of autonomy and this other person was controlling everything he had. Yeah. And one other thing that's that's worth noting is that the character of Wendell White was very much supposed to 
was supposed to be Howard Hughes. Mm -hmm. um, it was very much based on him, and Hughes was a um, a close personal friend of Albert Broccoli. That's what, how Broccoli started, you know, coming up in the movie world was making a bunch of movies for Hughes. So huh. um, that was, you know, a you know, sort of a, a piece here where they're they're obviously trying to do a Hughes type, but it's a very loving thing. I think they're sort of hinting at the like, oh, he's a recluse who like, you know, a shut in who doesn't want to go out and uh, that without without saying it. So I wonder if there was something that was a little bit lost in the translation in their attempt to just be like, oh, you know. You know, we just assume that like crazy billionaires, they'll, you know, be shut-ins, but they don't want to actually say that. So I don't know, but um, uh, the the other fun thing that I liked about when Wendell White came out, he's like super on top of all of his business, uh, and like very aghast at the idea that he would have an oil rig in Mexico. It's like, why would I ever do business in Baja? <laughs> like, oh, so you don't like Mexicans. They don't. I see. Very, very clearly. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So Jimmy Dean. Um, yeah, big boisterous character. I again I think so much of this movie is, you know, it's not super well thought out and it's more like well let's let's just say that this is what happens so that we can, you know, so that we can do this thing. And I think it's, you know, the, the plot hole of him being locked away in his house is just like, well, because he has to be locked away in his house so that Blofeld can be impersonating him and doing all these things, you know, behind his back. Speaking of I Blofeld, think, right, how do we feel about Charles Gray playing the part of Blofeld? Even though two movies ago, he was somebody else. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, as as I said on that episode, I was like, oh, I forgot Blofeld was in this movie so early. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> it's the, the, different, the different one. Um, I, I have a controversial opinion All after right. watching this. Um, Charles Gray might be my favorite Blofeld. Really? I think he might yeah. be mine. I think the only reason I like the other ones is because I know, I know their names. Like I had to think about like what's that actor's name again? Charles Gray. But Donald Pleasance, I know him from like, you know, uh, Escape from New York and Puma Man, of course. You know, stuff like mm -hmm. that. And, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, of course, of course, it's Pleasance. But you know what? The more I think about it, the I, I think I think Charles Gray is is Blofeld. I I think he's my Blofeld really. For me. Yeah, I think. Wow. He is. Yeah. You too, yeah. Andy. Yeah, which is again crazy. I mean, because I love Telly Savalas and I love On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but I think like he's also he's Blofeld, but he's not Blofeld. He's very different. This feels very much like the same Blofeld taken to just another level. I, that being said, I think this is the weakest mm -hmm. of, um, uh, especially of the early Bond Blofeld movies. I mean, we'll get to, yeah, we'll get to Spectre. Well, and, well okay. Uh, 
well, and I was gonna say he he's like I think I think Charles Gray does the best job of like the the personification, but Blofeld in this movie, like the character of Blofeld in this movie is just a doofus. He's yep. nothing, nothing compared to like what we've seen before. He like makes so many mistakes. Yeah, and that's and true. he like lucks out in a lot of ways, and he's just. I mean, let's start with the whole. Okay, another question about the plot. The plot requires James Bond to, you know, he's he's tracking these stolen diamonds, and a lot of murders are coming coming out of you know these stolen diamonds. Like, what's the deal with um, Kid and Wint? Um, like overseeing all these, like, why do they have to have like ten middlemen in this diamond trade? Right, right. I mean, the diamonds are right there. Why don't they just take them on the first time? Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes no sense. I mean, you could get diamonds by any other means. Like, why, why go through this elaborate process? It just it's, doesn't it's make like, a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It's, it's. I guess maybe here's here's a theory. Blofeld wanted to face James Bond one more time because otherwise James Bond would have been off this case because it would have been nothing. They would have gotten the diamonds. They would have lasered all the, uh, you know, all all the sites and everything, and no one would have known unless all those people died. Right? I mean, he's got the means to hold up like ten different zales and yeah. just <laughs> take diamonds from. Why? Why go to through South Africa? Like. The whole plot would have made sense if you're trying to get like mega diamonds, like ginormous diamonds, and that's what you needed. All right, okay, I, I can see, but they're like tiny diamonds. They're tiny it, diamonds, like, yeah. You can <laughs> just go to any jewelry shop, hold them up. You have the two weirdos that, that'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean a- maybe this movie was just an exercise in seeing what they could get people to believe. Okay, we got them to believe that that guy can breathe in mud. Until he can't. We got them to believe that he's making out with himself. Maybe we can get them to believe that they needed these tiny diamonds. Yeah. It doesn't work. I don't know. This is, but this is like the, um, like one of my favorite lines is like when Dr. Evil says, begin the overly elaborate dipping mechanism. It's like, (laughs) you know, that's. This is, I, I also, when I, as I rewatched, I didn't understand, um, after the first guy that they killed, uh, I guess that was supposed to be in South Africa, but it was very clearly to me, like the Californian or Nevadan desert. Uh, yeah. I thought it was Nevada <laughs> where I was like, I'm like, wait, they're kid and Wint are already in Nevada with the diamonds. Yeah. Why don't they just take them from there? Like, what? What is the? Why do they then go to Amsterdam and then come to Los Angeles and then go back to Vegas? And that was like the Scorpion the, kill, huh? Yeah, yes. that was the Scorpion yeah. kill. Lucky that Scorpion cooperated too. They were, uh, I, that was kind of an elaborate. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have killed them that way. I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere. Whatever. I have a wrong. theory as to why this happened because I I'm pretty sure that we review the contracts. Sean Connery has a helicopter quota in every one of his Bond movies. And at that point, there hadn't been a helicopter involved, so there had to be a scene with a helicopter. Because helicopters are back, y'all. They didn't happen in Her Majesty's Secret Service, but in this movie, Jesus Christ, did it come back. No, uh, there were tons of helicopters in On Her Majesty's Secret well, that's Service. That's true. No, they... no, no, but those had a purpose. Like, I mean, it was, oh, like, okay. it was like Apocalypse Now. This one, like, 
You're going to tell me the U.S. government is only going to send five shitty helicopters to hit an oil rig? Like, you're not going to use the force of the U.S. Navy, uh, the U.S. Air Force to bring it down? It just, it, I, oh, I hated that scene so much. Yeah. I can't be the only one. Brooke, what, what were you going to say? Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about whether or not he's still Poseidon in this movie. I think, <laughs> I think that like my whole theory is blown because <laughs> they're out in the damn desert. Well, they, so. they do go to the ocean. He does, do. he does dive in after what's her name? He's got to. Yeah. He's got to get back in. Well, I mean, and that is when he's at his most powerful. Maybe, you know, we have the powered down Bond because he's in the desert. Although Maybe. that's that's a bit more like Arthur Curry or... Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a know, stretch. Namor, right. Not really, because that probably explains why he's so damn slow in this movie. He's just... <laughs> everything is, is slow. Even the car chase. Like, I love the, the Mach 1 uh, Mustang. Such a beautiful car. Yeah. But everything's just so slow. Like, yeah. so, so slow. Like, I really hate that in this movie. Yeah, it, it is a it is a very different sort of car chase. Um, although all of the cop cars crashing, it just, it made me think of the Blues Brothers. Yes. And I'm like, I want to watch the Blues Brothers now. <laughs> watch even more cop cars crashing all over the place. Um but hey, what about that that two wheeled uh, stunt that they pulled off there? Yeah, oh my God. I love that. It reminds me of the Get a Life TV show. Remember that episode where they got up on two wheels? Get a life. Uh, TV get show? a life. What? <laughs> Chris Elliott show. Where oh, one episode where all he wants to do is get the car up on two wheels, and he gets it up at the end. No way. Oh I, man, what a great show! I vaguely remember that show. I do not remember that episode. I, I don't remember. <laughs> but thank the you show. for reminding me of it. It, it it was it was oh my gosh get a life was peak absurdity it it's amazing it got on tv hmm. yeah that's excellent uh that was 90s or yeah. early 2000s i think it was okay. 90s yeah i think it was i seriously i think it was like 93 it was old yeah oh it was early chris yeah. elliott yeah i don't oh, remember wow. that i remember it being baby. a thing but i cannot remember anything about watching it um, I, I don't recommend it for everybody, but I recommend it for me all the time. <laughs> uh, if you are into Chris Elliott and absurdity, I recommend the adult swim show Eagle Heart, where he plays <laughs> a, Heart. a yeah. small town lawyer or a small town sheriff. Uh, very absurd. Very ridiculous. I recommend uh, Cabin Boy. Brent Gelman's in that. Oh, yeah. I can't cheese Cabin Boy. <laughs> Now, welcome to our podcast about the various works of Chris Elliott. <laughs> Chris Elliott. <laughs> the Chris Elliott franchise. It might be more it. interesting than the movie. Uh, it might be. It might be. It very well might be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, than, than this movie, at least. Uh, so we've talked about, okay, we've talked about a lot of this. Um, I'm trying to think what we haven't covered. Okay, well, we definitely haven't covered Dame Shirley Bassey. And diamonds are forever. What diamonds do folks think forever. about this theme song? Love it. Diamonds are forever. It, it just reminds me so much of Goldfinger. Goldfinger. 
I resisted the first time you said it. I couldn't resist any longer. Well, no, it, it, but it, now is the appropriate place. So. It did bring back that feel, like, and it kind of eases you into seeing Sean Connery again. But too bad he's just way too old for this movie. Yeah, and that's that's, that's my part of the next problem point. with this movie. Yeah, it's part of the problem because the same problem that the late Roger Moore movies have uh, is the same problem with this one. It's, he's just way too old. It's just, you're not really cool anymore. He, I feel like he gained ten years between movies. It, yeah, it seemed like a lot. It, it, there was a big look. There was a lot of weight on him. Did he have a kid? That'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I can attest to that. (laughs) Changed my life. Um, Can I? Can I go back? Can I go back to the song really quick? Sorry, I I was looking this up. uh, Yesterday, I I can't believe I found it, but I from four years ago, I have my list of James Bond songs ranked by me that I forgot that I had made four years ago, Um, and I have I have. Diamonds Are Forever ranked as my 12th favorite Bond song. Oh, wow. So it's, it's that pretty solid, like, right. in the high middle. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's where it would go for me. It might it might get in my top 10. I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd I have to look it up. I think it's in my top 10. Yeah, I think, I think it's up there. But, yeah. Uh, if, if not top 10, uh, high teens, for sure. Definitely agree. There's, there's a sort of soft middle in there where it's like these are good, but they're not like the most amazing. But I, but it's a good song, and Shirley Bassey's great. And um, although it at, by the end it it does it does the same thing as Goldfinger, where it's like they lyrically definitely run out of steam, mm-hmm. and instead of her <laughs> saying like. He loves only gold. She's just saying diamonds are forever over and over again. It's like, okay, we know. We know diamonds are forever. Um, <laughs> I, uh, But lyri- I, uh, the lyrics I do think are kind of interesting because the, the main concept of this is that, like, basically men are fickle and terrible, but diamonds won't leave you in the night. And... Uh, so I don't. So, I right. I like that. I think that works, especially <laughs> for this movie. Yeah, makes me want to go get some diamonds. <laughs> okay, I'd like to have that kind of money. <laughs> yes, as soon as as soon as I get the money, I will get some diamonds. There are other ways besides money. Oh, are there? Yeah. Like stealing them, or are you talking about other? No, ways? I would never recommend that. Okay, it, it seems kind of I don't know that maybe that's another reason why there were so many crazy variables in getting the diamonds. They didn't want to make it look that easy to get diamonds, so they they had like thirty people that you have to kill to get diamonds. Even though if you think about it, you just have to kill the first person who has them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah, I I don't know what what's so hard about this. Uh, I I guess going back there, in the in the book, it's better explained that what they're doing is it is an elaborate trap to take over the mobs, 
uh, diamond smuggling operation so that like the mob doesn't know that their diamonds are missing. So there's no um, laser satellite in the book? No, there isn't. Oh. But um but there but Kid and Wint are in the are in the book and uh they are very definitely gay in the book. That that is um oh. that's brought up. Um, well that answers but, that. Yeah. That answers that question. Uh, we can we can come back to Kid and Wint in in a second too. But um, but there there's a lot more subterfuge around it so that like the mob thinks that their diamond uh, their diamond smuggling operation is intact when in fact like a huge shipment has actually been waylaid into this uh, other other operation for Spectre. So. Um, sort of interesting uh and that obviously was not at all uh <laughs> explained in this um but yes uh overly elaborate uh which is i think the the, the number one uh running thing in this movie is that everything is is way too overthought and uh complicated and like let's just get him and shoot him with a gun no Take him and put him in a, a pipe. you know, in an oil pipeline, and we'll let the we'll let the robot deal with him. I guess. Like it was sense. the 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 pipe sequence where Kid and Went they brutally murder everybody, but when they get to James Bond, <laughs> right. they just put him in a pipe um, that he kind of easily gets out of. I mean, a, a little bit, and and then um, later when they cremate Bond. Um, I remember as a kid, that was like the first instance of me thinking, this is not the James Bond I like, where he just, where he's going to die, but then just something lucky happens outside of him, you right. know, and they Agreed. let him out of the crematorium or he gets out of the pipe, you know, they had him, he was going to die, they would have shot him in the head normally. And, right. um, and, and so I, I, that isn't fun story for me, we're just where it, it's just a matter of luck only. It's a lot more fun to see him outsmart people, but he doesn't. Agreed. Yeah. Um, or at least have it be, you know, um, Diana Rigg shows up in her Mercury Cougar and saves him. But, right, right. You know, at, sure, at least yeah. have it. But yeah, have it be like something, something that's somewhat heroic. Something that, yeah, builds builds character. I like it. Um, so do we want to talk about Kid and Wint? Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure. Is, is it kind of, okay, let me ask you guys, be, uh, all of you, all of you guys are just, you know, you're a lot more woke and progressive than I am and everything. So I just want, I, I should <laughs> ask you, like, is, is, is it, if, if you have, um, an implied homosexual couple going around killing people, is that... Is that a bad stereotype <laughs> or is it progress that, you know, that they're not afraid of having this gay couple doing something that you wouldn't expect a gay couple to do? I think this might be on the fringe of being, uh, like, you know, it's like using albinos as villains. Uh, anybody, anybody who's in the outliers of society is have, have to be, there has to be something wrong with them uh, type of thing. And it's kind of gross. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I figure, like, of course, of course, it would be you know murderous villains. They're gay. Like, 
they're not right in society. And yeah, it is kind of gross. Yeah, it's I mean, this this movie's interesting because it's one thing that I noticed where this is the first time we see a lot of um black people in in any James Bond movie. Before there have been like one or two characters usually. Um but definitely not like as part of the background, uh, them being like a fairly normal part of, of everything. Um, and this is the first, like, uh, well, it's not the first because as, as Brooke has pointed out, pussy galore is canonically gay. And, right. um, but, uh, the first time we've seen like a, a gay male couple, I, I have well, a hard a time like stigma about gay men than gay women too. Right. Right. I have right. a also I, disgusting. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can like say um definitively like it, because like I'm I'm not gay. I can't like necessarily speak. I'm going to speak on behalf of the gay community. This is bad representation. This is good representation. I don't know. It's so hard, but what what I see it as is um, I think there's a lot, especially through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, it's a trope that happens a lot that uh, villains end up being queer coded, even if they're not like we don't see them like in loving relationships. But like mm-hmm. you, especially when you think about Disney villains during the Disney Renaissance. All of them are queer coded. Scar, very gay. Really? Ursula, that's divine from uh, from John Waters movies, like a literal oh. drag queen. I never like, made that connection. Huh. Um, you know, like the, the we we grew up in a uh you know, a a place where Queer-coded villains is, like, normal and not new at all. And I think that's interesting. Um, but, like, that's that's what sort of had to happen, like, before it was it was normalized. It well, was... I mean, okay, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but I always kind of read it as, as, a, as a kid that the idea to make, to make them to heavily imply that they're gay is is because it was kind of against the stereotype you know it's like i don't know i don't know the the queer coding stuff you're talking about that that seems like a little bit more subliminal but this is a little bit i mean it, they don't come out and say it but it is a more overt that they are a gay couple and i think i think the idea is not so much you know to like okay they're gay so they're bad but but they're they're bad but it's also strange that because you because that is not something you know it's not stereotypical it's like it's kind of offset because you wouldn't expect a gay couple to also go around killing people it's like two things that aren't necessarily like one is definitely bad they don't so much comment on the homosexual behavior but it is it it just kind of it's it's off-putting not in the sense that oh gay is gross but it's off-putting in the sense that you wouldn't have expected that in in these two people and and so it's just kind of 
meant to be sort of confusing. Right. I don't I don't think that makes it right, I guess, but I think that was the I just think it's weird there. and I think it's a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I just I don't know. I don't I don't get their characters like existence. Um I Right, I because just... they don't associate with anybody else, right? So it's kind of it's it's almost like they're this weird force outside of the main plot of the movie that just kind of interrupts things, right? That's, exactly. That's what makes them so weird. Like, there's no connection with with uh, Blofeld at all. Like, I, I don't remember them being in a scene with Blofeld. Like, they're not, not right at all. So there's this disconnect throughout the movie. They're just a presence of evil, and you don't know exactly who they're working for or what their true motivations are, but they're there and. No, aside from them looking creepy, it it just they're just weird. They're one of they're the uh, the henchmen that possibly not. I mean, there's worse henchmen, but they're one of the ones I really don't like. I think. Well, the thing is, I think I like them for all the reasons that we've said. I I like that they go in and out of the plot, and 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 it's and it's just it's just strange it's just this weird thing that's not explained i think it's just it, it makes it gives them a, a just a bizarre mystique you know what if rosencrantz and gildenstern I was were about to say that. Assassins? <laughs> i was about to say that it, and it's precisely that reason john that i don't like them they just pop in and out like there's no rhyme or reason to them like at least with like uh what's his name not random task but uh odd job odd job I mean, you know, he's he's the henchman. He's the right hand man. He's there. He, he's got a purpose, so that makes sense. Uh, in the future, when we see Jaws, well, he's got an actual task. You know, he's sent to do things. You know, who's sending him? That kind of makes sense. But in this case, they just—they're just in the presence of evil. They really don't make sense. Yeah. No, it's funny. I think. Um, yeah. No, I like him for the exact reasons you hate them, and I can't defend. <laughs> I can't defend it. it. It's I guess it's just a taste thing, right? It, it's right. like, I you know I I can't I can't defend my uh, my my position because yeah, exactly what you say. You know, for your reasons, it's like I guess it just a mat- matters like okay, um, I tasted this. It tastes good to me. It tastes bad to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is something to be said as like, oh, that's really off-putting, but it's kind of interesting and complex. So it's like. I don't know. I assume the reason why people eat like Vegemite. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so the analogy. Like people, people do like this. It's like, <laughs> it's not for me, but okay, cool. They're like, but more like potted meat. Where did this come well, from? What's it made of? But some people like it, I guess. I don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think what we've we've covered most of the bits in here. Oh, we have not talked about Bond's dune buggy chase. Oh Jesus! <laughs> the moon all come down on the dune buggy. Uh, three wheel ATVs. That was something I haven't seen in 25 years because they're super dangerous. It was kind of weird. Right. And Bond looks like a weirdo. Yep. On the back of a three-wheeled ATV. He looks like he's riding a big tricycle. But I feel like that's appropriate. 
If he looked natural on it, I don't think it would fit the character. <laughs> I, but I can't imagine that they would put, like, Daniel Craig on the back of, like, a large tricycle. <laughs> you know? I, I, guess well, it's I think it's just time. weird because, because of... I mean, no, seriously, uh, uh, it's because it's a three-wheeled ATV. It, it's 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 something that existed forever ago, and since I haven't seen one in that long, yeah. it does look more like a tricycle than an actual adult vehicle that someone would like take somewhere from point A to point B. I'm the last time bad. I saw one, it was on top of me. Oh no way! <laughs> my, we decided to go sledding in the snow, and my cousin threw me on the back. And we're like going up this hill and couldn't keep it balanced. And it flipped over and both of them landed on top of it. Oh, They're, Jesus. They don't exist anymore for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, dangerous. No, it, it, caused, it caused a lot of havoc back then. I remember I remember the days. Um, well, no, the most important thing about the desert chase scene and, and the the thing, that, the weird vehicle that James Bond was, was riding in is this, this movie pretty much states as a fact, just a couple years after the fact, that that the United States faked the moon landing, right? Right. <laughs> right. Isn't yeah. that the statement? And I kind of, I kind of love that too. Um, it seems, I don't know. Maybe it would be more controversial now. I don't know if that was like a thing back then. I mean, were the conspiracy theories were they persistent back in? Was this wasn't this like 1971? So that would have been only two yeah. years after the original moon landing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think you could like hand wave it away and be like, oh, this was just them practicing i was like no that that was supposed to be like a movie set and I, and I, the, the astronauts trying to stop james bond yes. you know when they're interrupting the thing they're moving all slow like they're in space yeah. i was about to say that like, <laughs> stayed in character yeah 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 they, they, they like had they were like no this this matters we have to sell this for the next 50 years so they were in character as being on the moon they were being paid for this <laughs> That is, that's some great, uh, that's some great acting on the part of those astronauts. Who knew they were some of our finest actors, which, okay, this is a weird, weird tangent, and I'm sorry to go, go off on it. Um, and I'll explain how this, this all relates when we get to it. Um, uh, I was, I was weirdly affected, um, by the death of Adam Schlesinger earlier this week from uh, complications of coronavirus and was like, man, you know, uh, so many things that he'd done that had, you know, touched my life. Um, most recently, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and his, and his work on that. But yeah. uh, I kept thinking like, man, that thing you do was such a good movie and that was such yes, a great song. And I can't believe like uh, how weird it is that you're like, I am going to write a song that sounds like it was a number one hit in 1969 and like, but like we just forgot about it or something. Um, and so I went back and I watched that movie and you, there are so many people who are just randomly in that cast that I'd completely forgotten about. Um, first Charlize Theron is the, the girlfriend at the beginning who stays back and dates uh, the dentist, hmm. um, which is which is fun, and she's so good. I'd forgotten she was she was great. But at the end, when they're at the Hollywood Showcase, um, the other uh, guest 
who's on the show along with the wonders is supposed to be Gus Grissom and it is played by Brian Cranston. Oh wow. yeah. Forgot about so, that. Speaking of our finest actors as astronauts, um, it's just like, whoa, hey, it's Brian Cranston, whom I, I guess at the time uh, was probably best known for being Tim Watley, the dentist on <laughs> Seinfeld. Because <laughs> this was pre-Malcolm in the Middle, pre-pretty much anything else. And it's just like, hey, it's Brian Cranston. All right. Um, so, yes, faking the moon landing uh, and, uh, yeah. Great actors, astronauts. Um, more about uh, I. I will say about this scene, when Bond gets into that moon buggy. I think that is like the jumping the shark moment for me. Yes. Of the entire franchise, it's like I agree. After this point, like that is the seed of camp. Um, yeah. it is it is the the most campy thing that they had ever done. They got away with it. Then they go to the circus. Um then I mean there's there's a bunch of other like campy things, but like that that for me is the the moment where it's like, okay, I guess Bond is just silly now. It sets up the Roger Moore years pretty well and um right I'll, I'll defend a lot of the roger moore years i think you know I, I i think they're worth defending for that reason instead of despite that reason but uh you know we got ebbs and flows of that kind of stuff so that's fine right at least there was not a slide whistle when it jumped over the... <laughs> i like the slide whistle <laughs> you like the slide whistle yeah, yeah. all right <laughs> for the same reason you like went and kit yeah, I guess. It's terrible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I enjoy that. Uh, okay, what else What else are we forgetting from this movie? Not a lot more. Um, I will... Um, okay. Um, Blofeld's kind of a good guy, actually. Speaking of, you know, how weird he is. His, his uh, big plan, what he's using the lasers for, is disarming all the nuclear weapons of the world. Yes. But for money. I mean, yeah, but, I guess. But, well, in order to give one country nuclear supremacy, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, maybe, yes. I, I guess you have to ask yourself a question. Are we safer in a world where one country has, like, the unlimited power to destroy anyone else at a moment's notice or are we more safe in a world of mutually assured destruction that's a good question i'll i think you know what i think i'll take the first one just knee jerk without any education on the subject at all because we assume that the united states will be the highest bidder exactly what if it's russia If, if it's russia okay if it doesn't matter who it is though um, I think if one country, no matter who it is, if they had nuclear supremacy, I don't think I think there's less of a chance that they're going to launch and destroy everybody else than being nervous that everyone else is going to destroy them. I think that's how the odds would work, regardless of who the country is. 
Hmm. But you're not factoring in the spread of communism. Uh, if it had been Russia that had been the sole power, nuclear power in the world, uh, that would have made it so much easier for communism to spread throughout the world. Well, what's wrong with that, Mark? I mean, <laughs> your well, we've communist. finally given uh, those bourgeoisie what they deserve, <laughs> right, comrades? So I suppose, you know, we could have a world of a, a communist world, but I think, but as far as just the one thing of nuclear annihilation, I think that would be lessened. But, you know, I guess there would be trade offs. Yeah. I mean, I I think you wouldn't have nuclear annihilation. I think what you'd end up having is like low-scale nuclear exchanges in, you know, in an attempt to, uh, you know, be in, you know, to use that nuclear power the same way the U.S. you know dropped nuclear weapons on Japan, um, you know, in order to to end World War II. Uh, it would be either the U.S. or the Soviet Union. <laughs> now, would... that, now that you mention it, I hope it's not the U.S. that has the supremacy. Right. Like, we're the only country who has ever actually used nuclear weapons on anyone Yeah, else. yeah. We're the, la- we're the last ones who should have it, huh? Probably. Well, well yeah. I mean... Only because we beat the Germans to actually producing it, but they were planning to do it the whole time. Like, there is there are written documents that they planned to launch nuclear warheads all over Europe. But that is like, that's like saying that you're guilty for your thoughts. No, but they were very close to doing it. Uh, the re- the <laughs> reason we did it is we took their scientists. But like, they were very, very close. The, the intent was there. Well, it is, it is kind of funny though. It's like, okay, Germany is going to, um, you know, they're going to send nuclear weapons to Europe and so therefore we bomb Japan. It's <laughs> kind of right. what happened, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, we beat we beat the Germans to getting a nuclear weapon, but by then the war was mostly over in Europe and we're like, well, I guess we could drop them on Japan then. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't want to waste these. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, they're just right there. I mean, mm-hmm. we should use them, right? So I wonder how many Nazis were thinking that should have been us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hanging out in Brazil. They're all sitting like, oh, man. That, yeah. The Two more years. That's all we needed. Two more fucking years. Yeah. Show-offs. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, 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 I do sort of agree, though, John, that there is a certain, like, this isn't like we're going to destroy the world's food supply. It's mm-hmm. like, getting rid of nuclear weapons is actually like a social good. And that is always my favorite uh, type of villain is someone who is like, I'm trying to do something that I think is good in order to, uh, you know, make the world a better place. You know, Valentine in the the Kingsman movie. Right. Like, right. I was thinking, is that, was that Samuel L. Jackson where yeah, it was like right. an environmental thing, right? Yeah, he's like or, the world's overpopulated, uh, or Thanos. Or Thanos. Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Thanos. Yeah, it's like kind of the. Yeah, that's a discussion but to have. That is. Uh, we will save that for <laughs> if we ever do the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, which will be Brooks' favorite series of podcasts ever. Ever. It'll just be, it'll just be the Tony Stark podcast oh. featuring Brooke. 
featuring Tony. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, so I, I brought this up in, in the last episode with Telly Savalas. Like, is, is Blofeld an American? So I'm, Charles Gray is definitely giving him an accent here. So he's got an accent back. But he's in America and sort of playing American. Isn't it kind of a mid-Atlantic accent? Sorry. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah it is. So I, okay, here's my theory. Um, Blofeld is as American as his new parts are American, right? Um, ah. Like so, <laughs> like uh, like uh, Donald Pleasance, he was like made of completely of like British parts, but then Telly Savalas was like a lot more American parts. But then after another surgery, um, Charles Gray was just a little bit more British, you know? Yeah. Just wherever they got the parts. Because he's like Frankenstein, right? I don't get him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It's like, that's a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah. I, I would, it like the fact that he ends up looking like Charles Gray rather than like Michael Jackson or... Uh, <laughs> You know, some some other people who you've seen who have had, like, way too many plastic surgeries. Modern-day miracles. Yeah. They look very different. So. And he's growing um, hair now, so that's pretty cool. So maybe that was what yeah. this was all about. It was like a baldness <laughs> cure. Like all that. Maybe yeah, he we'll was just... allergic to hair and he got the cure. Yeah. Yeah. Transplant all, all those good follicles on top of your head. That'll work. That totally works. Um... Okay, final thoughts on on Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, you know what? We haven't talked about Tiffany Case at all. Okay. Um, how could we do that? That's terrible. Um, what do people think of Tiffany Case? She's a little forgettable, man, really. And they... uh, obviously, since I forgot Clearly. her. Clearly. <laughs> all this time talking about plenty of Clearly. people and like... No time talking about Tiffany Case. They make her they, can, they make her kind of clever at the same time, really stupid, and yeah. it's really confusing. She's kind of a, a goofball. Welcome to the plight of all teenage girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, True. Like some of the some of the uh, I don't know I don't know maybe maybe because she was like an American. Um, I th I think that was I think I, I don't know I guess that's the impression to make her more American. She was just she was a little bit more flighty a little bit more i don't know loud she wasn't That's as so sad right um but i really like i actually kind of like her i i i like the part where and it's through no fault of her own where you know they do the whole like kind of macguffin of the satellite tape and switching mm -hmm. of the tape and they talk about it the whole movie and you know the famous marching things and and they go through all this big thing through the whole movie and then james bond takes the tape and, you know, before they search him, he hides it in, you know, her bikini bottom. And and then it, it's all for nothing because she thinks he's signaling her to put the tape back in. And so he switched the tape and then she switched it back accidentally. And right. even though that's dumb, I, th I thought it was just, I thought it was funny. I kind of found some delight in that, that they took us for a ride that wound back up in the same place. And ultimately, they just used Blofeld as, as like a a wrecking ball on his own thing to, to to get him rather than switching the tape. Right. My favorite thing that she did is when they're at the gas station and she pulls out in front of the truck driver and like 
causes a big scene and he's just like honking at her and he's mm-hmm. she's like yelling back to the trucker like that was like i felt the like okay this is this is the the character who i like everything else that she's done i'm kind of meh on but i'm i'm digging this piece right here um can i ask which wig was best ah the redhead easy <laughs> I concur. I got my attention real quick. Um, I, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the brunette. It, it, she wasn't in it for very long, and we didn't really see her in the blonde one very well. I didn't see her no. turn around in the blonde one. You just see the back of her head. I don't think that worked as well as the dark one, though. Yeah, I like I liked her brunette wig at the beginning a little bit more. I I I definitely have a fondness for redheads, and then she even says. Or Bond says something about redheads. They're temperamental. Point. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> are, so. so that's how they assign her right at the beginning. Yeah, I guess that's. I don't know, but we but we know it's it's a wig, so it's like okay, well, is this, is this actually saying something about her personality? Um, I guess it's what she's choosing to present to the world is like what how she wants to be taken, but. And she also gets the Sean Connery treatment by getting slapped in the face, which, which like brought back to the, it made Bond feel so dated because uh, Lazenby was a lot more smooth around the edges, um, and I don't know for me it was just like Jesus we went back to that, yeah, yep, more of Sean Connery smacking women around. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, at that point she was like the bad guy though. She's, you know, in charge of this diamond smuggling ring and he needs to figure out what's going on with it. So, I mean, I'm not, I am not uh, condoning (laughs) violence toward women, but I am, uh, no, compared to him, (laughs) compared to him smacking, um, uh, what's her name? Natalia in, in, uh, from Russia with love, like who he's supposedly in love with, like that's. They're far different things. It's like, yeah, yeah. So that that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not justifying it, but I am saying, like, in the pantheon of Bond slapping women, it is, uh, it is still bad. It is one of the less egregious, though. It feels like. And no one has a response to that. (laughs) You made it weird, Andy. (laughs) I did make it weird. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Okay. Any any other final thoughts on... um, I have have four quick thoughts. Oh, Um, go for it. First of all, I, I also kind of like the scene where Blofeld is not... He's not dressed as a woman to get out of the casino, but he's dressed as Austin Powers dressed as a woman. <laughs> yes. That's uh, a perfect, man. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was, was uh, yeah. I, again, Blofeld in this movie, not as smooth as past Blofeld. I, I feel like he's changed the most out of all of these. Um, and then um, also my favorite gadget, I would say, is simply... Um, James Bond at the beginning he just has a he just has like a mousetrap in his pocket right for when people like 
yeah. uh, frisk him and take his gun and just the just fingers get caught in this trap, which, <laughs> which I thought it's like, okay, again, the budget has been lowered because <laughs> Sean Connery like costs so much money that that's what the gadgets are reduced to. Um, and oh, I guess I only had three things. Okay. And my last thing is a bit of trivia. I didn't find this in the trivia, but a bit of trivia. I don't think there were any bras in this movie. Um, I was looking. I don't think anyone was wearing. <laughs> you didn't find them? Well, didn't he choke somebody with a bra? That was a bikini top. That was a bikini, bikini top. top. Yeah. Oh, it was a bikini top. Well, I can kind of see. It's the same yeah, ballpark. Yeah, I mean, you, you can, yeah, same, same ballpark. But as, as far as I know, um, uh, Plenty and Tiffany, uh, yeah, it, it was a brawless summer in Vegas, I think. As well they all should be. Mm-hmm. I agree with this. Well, this I, is something I, I, I never, I never notice. So, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. I, I yeah, no, it's, it's, that, I yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. I keep track of that kind of stuff. Let me know if you need any, if you need, <laughs> need it on any other movie. Yes, I have please. a couple of things. Uh, the glaring thing for me is the the technology in this movie is pretty bad uh, and nonsensical. Like the whole uh, the technology to mask your voice, you would think mm-hmm. that it it will mask it like to the person who's receiving the audio, not the person who's speaking it. Do, do I, am I making sense here? Cause yeah. like Q has this gadget that's supposed to change your voice, but it's not supposed to change your, you know, your voice coming out of you. Like that's ridiculous, but we're supposed to believe that it's just, it's so stupid. And the whole fingerprint thing just kind of really bothers me. It's like a bad Batman episode. Um, he shouldn't have been taking his fingerprints off. Like, that's the other thing. A like, second after, like she comes back with a drink, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all that bothered me. The the, the graphics, uh, those explosions look so stupid and fake. Uh, like they really mailed it in for this movie. And for me, uh, and that's my second point, is that this movie feels like it's the justification to just move on from from uh, Sean Connery because he's too old. The the filming's not paced well. The the plot really doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. The narrative flow just is all messed up. Um, It's just, he looks like a very dated James Bond, and there was no other choice than to just move on with somebody else at this point. And that's that's what I think about this movie. And like I said, I saw it again, and I think I like it a lot less than what I used to. And I think my whole list of rankings is going to change by the time we're done with all this. Definitely. I, I like the movie in the sense that I I guess I like James Bond movies, right? I mean, it, as as far as ranking goes, this this one was not as good as I remembered, um, and it does feel now, Andy. Now that you mention it, does feel like they were trying to catch something, you know, with with Goldfinger again. Um, but again, I like the weirdness of it like the weird things that come about like so much of it in vegas the kid and went them being weird i like that um and i i liked just how grimy and 70s and dirty and american it kind of feels it, it, it kind of stands alone for good and bad cool. yeah i i i agree with with all of that and I found myself like I had a very low opinion of this movie after the last time that I watched it. And uh, I haven't watched it since, since then, which I think was 2012. Um, And 
uh, I it improved for me. I think because if if I can ignore the pieces that really bother me, I'm like there's still some of it in here that I really like, and the like the the bond um, and Blofeld stuff. Some of it, some of it I liked. I mean, it's still not great, but it was somehow better than I remembered it. Because uh, I remember really, really hating it the last time that I watched it. So I think that's um, not that it's great, but uh, I liked it just a little more. I don't know. Um, uh, let's talk about where it ended up at the box office. This movie made $43,800,000 in the domestic U.S. box office in 1971. Uh, which is almost double the $22.8 million that On Her Majesty's Secret Service made. Uh, wow. And almost exactly the same as the $43.1 million that, um, uh, that, the, uh, that Ninjas and Volcanoes made. I, <laughs> I, can't, I always forget the name of that. You, uh, only, you only live, live twice. twice. Yeah. So uh, in inflation-adjusted terms... Uh, that is the same as uh, in our money, two hundred and forty-one point eight million. Uh, so, again, in the twenty nineteen box office, that would have been uh, right in between it, Chapter Two, and Joker for last year. Wow! So Connery's so, here to stay with those kind of numbers. Yeah, um, Connery definitely has the um, the the best. Uh, box office uh, I think inflation adjusted um, he he has the best track record of, of any of the bonds um, Daniel Craig is very very close but um, but he but he obviously had something that um, that the others don't and uh, uh, the the next movie um like it takes them three more movies uh, until they reach basically the same level with mm. Roger Moore and The Spy Who Loved Me. So uh, it it took them a while, and there was definitely a uh, a, a plateau after this, um, or a valley, I should say. Um, so uh, let's let's talk about our favorite one-liners, characters, and any studio notes um i don't really have a favorite one-liner in here because i feel like they were all with went and kid and i just don't like any of them so no no one-liners for me in this one you were blonde when you went in there right <laughs> okay that's pretty good <laughs> and then when she's like i'm plenty of course you are of course plenty you O'Toole. are uh, From your I, I like. <laughs> um, that's a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I like. <laughs> I like. Uh, uh, there isn't much that I do like, but maybe where Tiffany says, "I'll, I'll finish getting dressed," and he says, "Oh, please don't, not on my account." <laughs> of, of course not, buddy. Yeah. Let me take this off your chest. <laughs> yeah. I want. I want you to get something off your chest. Was uh, yeah. I, I remember or I'll help I you. That. I'll help you get some. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. I dislike that scene for many reasons. 
one of which I think that is the oldest that Sean Connery looks in the entire movie. And it's the first time we see his face. Um, yeah. Second and and no, fr- I mean second is the the Connery. Uh, first, um, it's just horribly, horribly awful. Like I don't I don't get this. Like, oh, I'm gonna strangle this woman with with her own bikini to like find out where Blofeld is. Like, we don't we don't know who she is. There's no context. It's like she's just the next link in a chain, and Bond is like running around murdering people. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess everybody should count as human in that sequence because he is going around murdering people. Um, I, I guess we're we're supposed to believe um, that you know the other people that he was he was killing, they were obviously you know gangsters, criminals, you know people that uh, like his license to kill like justifies. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, if if she was in that chain, then I um, I think we're supposed to, to believe that like she's like a killer, a bad criminal herself. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I just I don't know. I guess I, I I tend to go back to like Casino Royale and um, when when Bond is trying to. Um, track down what's his name the the bomb maker mr white no 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 it's and and andretti's and what's his and he but he sleeps with his wife and and then she ends up dead right um like i i feel like that is like how bond should be like he should like seduce women to get information out of them rather than murder them so i don't know yeah. yeah, the murdering comes after by other people. Right. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's never good. The hey, phrasing have... of women is not good. But... Uh, one more line really quick. I think this okay. one made me laugh the hardest. Um, and it's dumb because I was really tired when I watched this. But when Tiffany Case wins the rigged um, water balloon contest at Circus Circus, um, and... The, the little kid next to her who's like, hey, that's not fair. He almost disrupts the entire diamond. <laughs> uh, like, the, 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 the whole, like, Blofeld, like, getting all the diamonds and everything because uh, because he's like, hey, that's not fair. Who is she, your mother? Like, he says that to the <laughs> to the water balloon gun operator who's, like, twice the, <laughs> twice the age of, of Tiffany Case. Yeah. That, that doesn't make any sense. And just... I don't know. It's like, hey, kids, sometimes pretty girls get favors, okay? That's how the world works. <laughs> it shut, happens. Shut up. That Welcome to life. The pool later. Yeah. That, yeah, that kid should have ended up in the pool. Jeez, murder him. Yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. I am not in favor of Wow, him. you're not coming off good here, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Slap the women, kill the kids. <laughs> wow. Take yeah. the diamonds. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, favorite side characters. Who do we like? God, I don't have any, but I'm going to have to go with the two weirdos. Only because they're so weird, and I, I don't know. I really don't like anybody in this movie. Yeah, no, Kid and Wind. Definitely Kid and Wind. That's, when I think of this movie, I think of those guys. Yeah, and I think, but I think that goes back to, and I can't remember if it was you, John, or Roy, who said, like, maybe it's the the how good the side characters are that really determines how good these movies are 
Hmm. So I'm I'm beginning to see a a stronger correlation of that. This yeah. movie does not have strong side characters. <laughs> like even even my old go to Felix Leiter, he's just boring in this. He's just nobody. Yeah, he's just he's just so boring. Did you did you have anybody you liked, Brooke? No. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, I kind of like Jimmy Dean a little bit. Um, cause he was just really all over the place. I, I think I could have liked Bambi and Thumper if they would have been developed at all, other than just like, oh, we're going to do some cool, like gymnastics fighting. Um, I, I, I don't like how they, uh. They were like, I don't know, they were the aliens from Signs, because once they got in the water, they were just completely helpless, even though they were just destroying him. <laughs> right. Okay, so really quickly, we had to say goodbye to Brooke. We're we're very sorry that she left us. Uh, it's not just that she's being silent for the rest of this episode, or that we're ignoring her. Uh, but, uh, really quickly, uh, let's, let's go ahead and give any studio notes that we might have on this project i i have one that might hurt john's feelings a lot um i would say get rid of kid and went and replace them with one person who has uh better motivation um or or just i don't know make them make those two better uh i i think that's just a they're just weird and um yeah, they're the only unique thing here, but I feel like they're also like one of the glaring problems with huh. this movie. I'm, I'm going to double down on Kid and Went. Make the whole movie from their perspective. <laughs> uh, James Bond awesome. just kind of comes in and out. Yeah, <laughs> I love so it's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah, yeah, sure. James Bond. I love it. <laughs> Kid and Went are dead. Um, I you know what? Um, uh, I, I would say do more with kid and went uh, explain more about what they're about and their direct connection. But my big studio note would be uh, bring back Telly Savalas and make that hatred between Blofeld and bond palpable because it started off that way mm-hmm. and then it just disappeared. And it's just basically a chess game after that. It's, it's so blah. Like there should be some true hatred going on right there. He killed your wife, bro. And that, that just, went out the window. So I would, I would make those two changes. Yeah. I, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is Blofeld needed to, he needed to be more menacing. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed with all of that. I think all of those would, would be good. You know, uh, we always ask is, is bond good or bad? Um, you know, after every movie, this is the yeah. one movie where I would, my answer would be like, it, it doesn't matter here. Um, uh, who cares? Because there isn't any, there's nothing that's really at stake here. I guess, you know, yeah, they're, they're, uh, Bluffel's trying to make one country the nuclear power of the world, but it, that feels like such a side thing. It, this movie doesn't have anything in it that would make a case for James Bond being good or bad. He's just a character at this point. I do agree with the, the idea that for 90% of the movie, the stakes seem really, really low. Because it's just, oh, there's this diamond smuggling ring and MI6 cares about it because they don't want, 
with the De Beers family to like lose money. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. I don't. I guess. I guess that's what they're saying. It doesn't. I don't know. It it seems like pretty low ball, and they're like, oh, we're like let's put one of our top agents on this case. Why? This, mm-hmm. this seems like this seems like a a very a very silly case for them to like really be honed in on. Um, and so I agree until until it's like, oh, it's Blofeld and he's got a laser and he's going to start, you know, blowing up nuclear stockpiles of various countries. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, exactly that. And, and again, Blofeld, he could have done all of this under everybody's noses if he just stopped being so publicly Blofeld about it and just. Um, you know, kept with the sinisterness, kept it all to himself, and then he could have had it all. But whatever, whatever, Blofeld. Right. right. I mean, you control a casino. Like, you have an opportunity to just, like, take that money you're making and just go buy, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of diamonds. And like, also... And, I think that's the thing is that this is like kind of a trivial amount of diamonds. Like, right. Right. Like what could Sean Connery and his salary have bought the amount of diamonds that they needed for the (laughs) set? I think so. Yeah, definitely. But the other thing I was going to bring up and maybe this should have been on, on studio notes is that you're, this takes place in Vegas and not once did you think of including the rat pack? Like, how, how I mean, they you? thought of it. Yeah, but... I mean, I, I, but why didn't they? Like, Jesus Christ, that would have been that would have made this movie at least somewhat cool. Andy, did you see that deleted scene with Sammy Davis Jr.? I I went looking for it on YouTube. It looks like a bunch of them have disappeared. Hmm. Um, like they had it, and then it said like this has been deleted. So I don't know if they got like copyright claims against them or. I went looking for it. I could not find it. I'm sure it is out there somewhere. Instead, we got uh, uh, Tree. What's his name? Shady um, Tree. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Shady Tree to represent Vegas. Just the old <laughs> mega unfunny comedian who just hates the audience. <laughs> he was, he yeah. was so horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I could have could have had somebody better there, but I I think yeah, this was weird and not not fun other than like it yeah it it showed like this is what vegas looked like in like the late 60s okay cool yes cool and that's that means our forever gal (laughs) (laughs) well there there we go um okay um final 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 thoughts or are we are we all done with with this I think I am. Like at, yeah. at this point, I'm kind of glad that the Sean Connery era is over, and it, this will explain why his next uh, appearance, a few years down, really annoys the crap out of me. Right. Well, and we'll have to at some point say say goodbye to Sean Connery, but uh, I think we can all agree this is like one of the lower points. Um, I. I'm I'm trying to decide if this is worse than you only live twice or not. Um I think so. I think so, but I I think 
Um, looking at these, you know, uh, you know, I, I didn't talk to you guys about You Only Live Twice, but I was really surprised. I had a You Only Live Twice had a much greater fall for me. I, I was more amazed at the boringness of You Only Live Twice than Diamonds Are Forever, even though both are really boring. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel, too, is like You Only Live Twice is like the ninjas in volcanoes part is fun. But that's like 20 minutes at the end. Mm -hmm. And everything up to that is like pretty laborious. Um, This is at least interesting, if weird, almost the whole way through. Mm -hmm. It's it's like kind of it's it's paced. okay, even though it's weirdly inexplicable. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, overall, it's like so sad that this is. Sean Connery's farewell is 007. But I was thinking in my head just now, I guess it I mean, he is the iconic 007, Sean Connery, of course. Sean Connery. Right. Yeah. But I mean, he really peaked with From Russia with Love, right? Which was the second one. And yeah, or the, and it just or, kind of was or just arguably Goldfinger. Yeah. But yeah. I think Goldfinger might have been his absolute peak. Oh, but 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 between those two, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, after so, yeah. Thunderball, there should have been another. He should have been more more uh, magnificent after Thunderball, but. Right. Oh well. I mean, Thunderball was like the Michael Bay, uh, you know, version of <laughs> of yeah. Sean Connery. It's like, oh, let's make it bigger and crazier uh, and more bombastic. It's like, no, 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 no. These work better if they're if they're a bit more contained. If there's some character development, um, which is what On Her Majesty's Secret Service ended up being, and you know it's again it's just a shame that Connery couldn't have done that because that probably would have been uh, or or could have been the the peak Connery. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting if if Lazenby was just in Diamonds Are Forever. Um, just you know bridging the two you know where Lazenby is like seeking vengeance you know you see the same guy seeking vengeance continued from the last movie I think that would have um, that alone would have really helped this movie yeah that would have been I cool. think that would have helped this movie actually yeah I think you're right yeah because so. that's the narrative thread that he needs to keep pulling on uh, the, the hatred the animosity between those two guys like eternal rivals that would have been cool but we didn't get that at all right we've we've really never gotten that and i think that is the the real like i I don't know well like the shame of the bond franchise that they've never really pulled off yet making blofeld like this great existential enemy um you know he's in several of these movies but he's never like top of mind's like oh yeah blofeld he's he's the big bad he's the one that we care about they came closest in uh for your eyes only and that's my opinion (laughs) (laughs) drop just drop him down a chimney yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) i think that was just a big middle finger to uh kevin mcclory but Mm -hmm. but okay maybe I'm hoping that gets rectified with the new movie, though. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Like, I think they might have an opportunity, even though 
I don't know. We're we're getting way ahead of yeah, ourselves here. I feel like Spectre was disappointing on a lot of levels. Mm. And I think I think part of that was Blofeld. I mean, as much as I like um, you know, Waltz. Yeah. I just I think Christoph Waltz is amazing, but this was like it's it's not the worst performance I've seen him in in the last decade, but uh, it is the second worst. The number really? one is Downsizing by Alexander Payne. I hate that movie. Wow. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people really hate that movie. I never saw it. I remember being intrigued when it came out and then it kind of whimpered. But I, everyone yeah. I know who's seen it talks about how much they hate it, which is which always just piques my curiosity because people don't hate movies <laughs> like unanimously like that. And so it yeah. makes me think there's something about it I need to see. I was well, going to watch it, but then uh, Andy kept, he went on a rampage for like a week about how much he hated that movie. And I'm like, sometimes we disagree, but if Andy really hates it this much, uh, probably not going to watch it. It's, it's just, it's a waste of everybody's talents, and it is so boring, and there is no worse sin for a movie to be boring. Yeah. Like, Diamonds Are Forever is a lot of things, but it is not just, like, abjectly boring. Mm-hmm. Um, so It's boringer you know, than many other James Bond movies, but not abjectly, yeah. Right, right. right. And I just, you know, downsizing, like, thinks that it has a lot of important things to say, and it doesn't instead it's got christoph waltz doing a bunch of sight gags for like 10 minutes like hey look at this giant rose look at this giant bottle of champagne get it we're little it's hilarious right (laughs) it's like no no any but yes any uh, i i feel like specter is a somewhat similar waste of his talents like i just i I didn't get a sense of menace from him in in a lot of places. I kind of and... did. I I like him, Inspector, but I'm pretty sure, like when we get to it, we'll we'll be able to fight about whether he's good or bad. But like the I'm I'm the architect of all of your pain. I'm just like, really? Like I don't. I I feel like that's unearned. I don't. It's. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when at the end of Unbreakable and we do this, we do this flashback of like, oh, see, Samuel L. Jackson has been the mastermind all along. It's like, oh, whoa. And it's like, oh, he was the architect of all of David Dunn's pain. I can see I that. It. Yeah. Like, see, but yeah, like you, know, you said, the unearned part, that's what I get. I think the whole um, Blofeld and Spectre thing I, I because we all know because um you know if, if they did it 30 years ago before we talked about movies and we were on the internet as much and we read as many you know if, if we weren't as online and we didn't have the True. details about like getting the rights back and doing all this it, it wouldn't have felt like a business like a, an external movie like meta business decision it would have felt like more organic to the plot you know and that's just the fault of you know where we live in society now being as online and knowing about that kind of stuff it just seems a lot less sincere to the actual story and a lot more sincere to a bunch of business people saying hey let's bring blofeld back right i can roll with that yeah 
yeah, absolutely. It's like that. I think that is that is also one hundred percent the case, and we've I guess we've we've spoiled ourselves is the, <laughs> the the real the real downfall there. But I think that like I look at what the Mission Impossible franchise has done over the last like three movies in you know creating a through line um, with you know, this other existential threat towards who like really has it in for Ethan Hunt. And um, I feel like they've done a better job of that through those last three movies than any of the Bond films did for Blofeld. And, and he's a much smaller part, even though he's the, the main villain in, Oh, I, I get them mixed up which one he's he's the main villain in. In Rogue Nation? I can't remember. The 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 titles of those movies. Yeah. I I I get them mixed up which I know me too. Yeah. yeah. Uh but but here we are uh at the end of this. Um John, as always, it is it is wonderful to have you back. Um It's wonderful we're definitely, to be here. I love it. Definitely gonna have you back on uh, when when we talk about for your eyes only. Okay, because... cool. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to make sure of. No, no <laughs> yeah. big reason, but I I do. I, it's a movie I like, so yeah, great. I like it too. That... Man. Nice, nice. <laughs> See, this is this is going to be my reverse Living Daylights, where that's the <laughs> one that I really hate, <laughs> and and you both really like it. So right. I'm I'm glad that we're gonna have that. What a great flick! Yeah. Cool, awesome. Um, Look forward to it. Tell us more. Tell us more about what's happening on. Um, uh, yours, mine, theirs. On yours, mine, and theirs, because okay. I know you've got lots of craziness coming up. Some craziness is is coming up. We recorded um, the last thing we did uh, was oh gosh, was it the Rucker Hauer marathon? That may have been the last yeah. thing I said here. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did a bunch of Rucker Hauer movies. One of which is Flesh and Blood, which is a really gross movie. No one see it. I didn't know that before I said let's watch this movie. Um, but we talked about that, and we, um, of course, talked about Nighthawks. And, of course, we talked about Blade Runner, which I wasn't excited to talk about Blade Runner because it's like how many podcasts have talked about Blade Runner. But we had a way more fun t- time talking about Blade Runner than I thought we would because, hey, you know what? It's Blade Runner. So go check that out. But coming up, hopefully in the next week, we're going to get it recorded and sent out. Um, we have a special episode coming up where um, Roy... Um, picked three movies that are very personal to him and his life. And we're going to discuss those and I guess make fun of him and his life. Um, <laughs> so that's that's what we're planning on shortly. So hopefully in the next week or so we'll have that out. But we're watching um, The World of Apu, the Indian movie, and we're watching The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original 70s one. And we're watching metropolis the silent movie from fritz oh, lang but awesome. with the giorgio Moroder 80s soundtrack uh if anybody's whoa, whoa, whoa. ever seen that no have you I ever mean, seen that mark <laughs> well not with the 80s soundtrack what yeah the first time the first time roy and i ever saw metropolis and andy you saw it too right um the uh, uh not has, with you but i've uh, i've seen it yeah uh, okay yeah the, there's giorgio Moroder in the 80s he redid the soundtrack with uh, like a synth soundtrack and also with songs from Loverboy and Freddie Mercury. Dude! And 
Oh, have you not seen it? It's all on YouTube. You got to watch it on YouTube because it's it's like a weird version that you can't find anywhere, but it happens to all be on YouTube. I so will check do it that. out. Check it out. Yes, yeah. it's good stuff. Um, and uh, so that's coming. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, by the way, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, if you want to listen to Safe Words Aloud, um, it's Safe Words Aloud. A L O U D, as in speaking aloud. Oh. I didn't realize even. <laughs> When I came up with the name that it had the double meaning, safe words are allowed, which makes more sense, but also safe words allowed as in spoken aloud, which is like what the podcast is. So it's like safe words spoken aloud is is how you spell safe words aloud. So go find that. All right, cool. And then and then next up, you're doing concert movies. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. In Yours, Mine, and Theirs, we're doing concert movies, which I'm really worried about because if you go to um, the Yours, Mine, and Theirs Facebook poll... Um, the, the movie, the fan-nominated movie that's winning right now is Erg, A Music War, which I'm super pumped to watch because it's a movie I've never seen, and I didn't think it was going to win the poll. But also, I don't know where to find that movie. Um, it, it's I think the DVD exists, but I'll have I'll have to get it. But the, Erg, A Music War is um, uh, like it's it's early police Oingo Boingo. Uh, uh, wall of voodoo stuff like that and it's a con a concert film so we're doing that and then two others possibly depeche mode 101 possibly stop making sense possibly give me shelter we don't quite know yet but that's that's on its way too we're still in the voting process so if you want to have an influence on that you can go and vote yeah the the fan poll on that i i had nominated uh several things into there including lcd sound system Mm -hmm. shut up and play the hits which i'm not an lcd sound system fan but that film is fascinating it's it's interesting Um, yeah yeah uh and and of course uh stop making sense because talking heads and jonathan demi like yeah it's yeah it's talking heads and jonathan demi (laughs) probably (laughs) i mean it seems like a law that we're gonna have to talk about stop making sense kind of like we had to talk about blade runner with rugger Hauer movies but Right. Yeah. And but then when it was I so I initially voted for Stop Making Sense and when it became clear that the momentum was going behind Depeche Mode 101, mm-hmm. which don't get me wrong, Depeche Mode is one of my ten most favorite bands. I love them. Mm-hmm. I love 101, but I share your opinion of 101, <laughs> which is It's not for everybody. <laughs> well, and it's just I mean, it's it's good. But it's not like the greatest concert movie ever. No. no. And I, when there are so many other great things out there, and it was just running away because everyone's like, oh, "We gotta, we gotta make sure we watch 101." And it's like, okay, well, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna vote for Erg a Music War because, as much as I like 101, I just I don't feel the need to like revisit right. it in I, like I, a cinematic artistic sense i kind of feel like depeche mode 101 is for us but normies should never view it (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so so yeah um yeah but i'm i'm excited about that and what what might happen with that so uh, that that's a plug to go to uh the yours mine and theirs facebook group go vote in that poll um or and also go to the Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye Facebook group and vote for what other movies you want to have us watch as part of our, our James Bond thing. 
Uh, you can nominate other movies that are James Bond related um, that sort of fit in this. And I think we will take the top like eight, nine, or ten of those, depending on how many slots we, we need to fill between now and November when No Time to Die is ostensibly supposed to come out. Uh, so go do that. Um, Mark, John, always a pleasure to have you folks here. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see everybody next time. It's been great. Thank you so much, you guys. It's been yep. awesome. Bye, everybody. Yep. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.